Welcome to a Veterans Podcast, powered by Wisconsin Veterans Network, the show where we hear unique, inspiring stories from veterans all over. Veterans who've transitioned, who've overcome obstacles, and even those still struggling. We will learn all veterans have a unique story, ones filled with pain and triumphs, and we will learn no veteran is alone, no matter the path they took. We share their stories to help motivate and inspire the world, to help understand what it means to be a veteran, and most of all, we share to give them a voice amongst the noise. You can find us at aveteranspodcast.com to learn more and how you can be a part of the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today's show, we have Navy? No, Army veteran. Army, yeah. Sergeant Jamie Morris. And she currently works for Wounded Warrior Project. Yes. I'm sure she'll touch on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, Anything special? No, okay. she's just she's cool people. She's super exciting, so get ready to, like, She's get very hyped. intense. Yeah. I know she'll hear this afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited to have her, though. She's really uh, been a huge part in Wounded Warrior Project, and I think she's doing great things, so I'm excited for her true. to tell her story because I don't know her story. I know I'm very interested as well. I also met her through Wounded Warrior Project as well, so... You'll definitely be interested, so we'll get started here in a second. Today's show is sponsored by Wisconsin Veterans Network, an established Wisconsin nonprofit ran by veterans for veterans. Their mission is to provide guidance, support for all veterans, whether guard, reserve, active duty, or even a bad discharge, looking for any kind of assistance in the state of Wisconsin. If you're a Wisconsin veteran looking for an answer, whether a simple question about benefits or are currently homeless, give them a call today. You can find more information about them at wisvetsnet.org or at aveteranspodcast.com. So let's go ahead and call her up. All righty. There it goes. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Hi, podcast. Hi, you. <laughs> and there it is. We were just there talking about how exciting you are to talk to. Oh, I appreciate that. You, you say exciting. Other people say I, I gab way too much. Well, I I don't believe that. I think you're great, and I'm really excited, and so is Noah. I, I mean, honestly, I wish I had that kind of uh, energy. So, <laughs> uh, not gonna lie, it's it's not natural. It is a uh, ADHD. Oh. You know, so yeah. uh, it's, that's why it's all this ener- energy. It works well for you. I'll tell you that. Well, I appreciate it. Honestly, you guys make it very easy to talk to you. You guys are very approachable, easygoing people, and I enjoy all the conversations we've had with each other. Oh, yeah. You're so nice. I am nice. I'm Southern. We're nice people. (laughs) Are you ready to get started? Oh, I'm absolutely ready to rock and roll. Are you guys ready? Very ready. I don't know about that. Heck yeah. All right. Not really. I'm, I'm just done. Yeah. So we know you served in the Army. And we know you mm-hmm. served from 2010 to 2017. So um, we would love to know why you joined the military and why you chose the Army. Oh, it is a fantastic story. So uh, I come from a very long line of people who served. Um, for my parents, both of them, that they actually met in the service, my uncle, my grandfather. And growing up, I always told people I was never serving because I, quote unquote, served being a child of my parents. Uh, but 
I went to a private college because when you're 18, you don't think things through. <laughs> and I, it, it, you just don't. So I was like, student loans? Sure, I'll take the student loans. I'm never buying a house. I don't need a car. You don't realize what you're doing. <laughs> uh, and so I am in my 20s. I'm 27 years old. You know, I got these student loans. They're insane. Trying to figure out. And it, honestly, I was kind of lost in my life. You know, I, I didn't. I was trying to find that that purpose. Like I had a job. But I didn't have a purpose. I felt like I needed to do something more. And so I was like, you know, what? I, I want to join the military. And I first I went to the Navy because my parents are in the Navy. I knew the Navy and I was going to be a military intelligence officer. And the one good thing, my, both my parents set me down because my sister had already served. She was in the Navy at this point. Her husband was a Marine. And my parents are like, you know, nothing against. So the military has their own thing, you know, what, things that they need. You might want to do something, but it feels their need. So when you go to MEPS, read that contract. Do not sign if something doesn't seem right. So I'm at MEPS, and my job doesn't say military intelligence officer. It says undesignated. And I'm oh. like, what the hell is undesignated? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's and how so they get you. She, oh, it is exactly. First off, I was getting not yelled at. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm reading. I've literally read every single one of those pages. And I'm like, I'm not signing. I got told don't do that. So and what she said, you know, undesignated, basically, you go to basic training, whoever drops out, you take their job. Now I'm like, I can be a machinist mate. I can be in charge of garbage. No, 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 no. <laughs> and she says something to me that it, it's always been an issue. And someone's like, well, you have to do it. And it's like, you never have to do anything. And so I kind of made a thing because um, I was like, ma'am, I have my education. I am joining the service because I want to serve. I want to do something bigger. I don't have to. Um, and so I made a thing. I actually had called my dad. My dad came to pick me up. And he was like, very smart, not signing that. But then the next thing I did was the next day, I banged on my Navy recruiter's door. He looked at me. I kind of flipped him the bird. And I went <laughs> next door. And it was the United States Army, the door that I walked in. And they're like, how can we help you? And I knew my recruiter followed me. I was like, that guy behind there is trying to screw me over. This is my ADVAT score. This, you know, I have a college degree. I want to serve. I don't have to serve. I want to. And, of course, the Army was like, please sit down. How can we help? What do you yeah. want out of life? It was. And they were like, you want to be an officer? And I was like, no, because the Navy had put such a bad taste in my mouth. You know, I was like, I'll be enlisted. I knew you can go from enlisted to officer. Um, but I enjoyed being enlisted the entire time. I'm very glad I made that decision. Very happy. Because also, too. I hate boats. I hate being on the water. So I don't know why I was even thinking the Navy. So I, that's rude. the army work. It, the Navy it, is great. You know, it is. It, it, <laughs> I will, I, I will tell you this. The nice thing about the Navy is you have a really good uh, duty station. It's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. It's fantastic. You know? Um, but again, when you're in the field in the army, you get to pretend you're like Colonel Patton, you know, you're like, dude, I'm playing soldier. Like I'm the bomb. You know, <laughs> that's, that's a good true. way to look at it. So that's really cool. I didn't know any of that about you. So that's really cool information. Yeah. Um, yeah, even so though I'm you didn't join, even though you didn't join the Navy, that makes my soul so sad. But maybe you said it, maybe I missed it. What job did you pick in the Army? So what I did was, and I was very grateful to my, my Army recruiter, because um, I explained I wanted to do military intelligence. And he explained to me, hey, unfortunately, Cause it was like the summertime. He's like, we don't have those jobs. He's like, I'll sit down. We'll go through all the jobs. You know, he's like, he explained what, you know, what the army's needs. And so he's reading them out loud. He's like, Oh, 88 Mike. I'm like, what's that? He's like, you're not being 88 Mike. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> he's like a truck driver. I was like, Oh yeah, I don't want to do that. And so he's going down. He's like, well, 25 Quebec. 
I'm like, what's that? And he's like, I honestly do not know. He's like, I know it has to do with signal, you know, and signal is IT. He's like, I'm an infantry guy. He's like, but signal has to do with IT. And in my head, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, you know, because where we're going, let's go learn signal, let's go learn IT stuff. Uh, but the big difference, I think, between the Army and the Navy, even though the Army, they send you to school, and I was certified in, like, network and security plus, um, and you work on this equipment, your job is the United States soldier. Your job is not your MOS. Where in the Navy, your job is your job. You must know your job, yeah. you know, where the Army, if I need you to go all of a sudden, you know, because on one deployment, I was running flight line operations. I never went to school for flight right, you know, line operations. Yeah. But you do whatever needs that the Army has, you do. Mm-hmm. So when I was getting out, it was really funny. So I'm trying to figure out my resume. I was like, seven years. I didn't know a single thing about, in, you know, the signal, intelligence, <laughs> none of that. So I was like, well, can't put that on my resume. I was like, what can I say other than I'm really good at mopping? How else can I put this on my resume? That's funny. So why did you get out? So I was actually got out because I, I was medically retired. Um, it wasn't my decision. I was actually gearing up for my third deployment. And uh, one of the things, I was suffering from really bad migraines. And it got to the point where we had gone through like all the drugs that the Army gives you to the point where they're doing Botox. So I'm gearing up my third deployment. And my whole goal is I wanted to be a drill sergeant. And I was going to apply, but they're like, hey, we'll come up from deployment. And you always take deployment first. And you're going through, you know, all the... Uh, um, your medical stuff, but I was at Fort Gordon, which is also a schoolhouse, and they take their medical a lot more serious because most places like, does your trigger trigger finger work? You're good, keep going. <laughs> yeah. um, but then they were like, oh, you're getting Botox, and I was like, yeah. They're like, you can't deploy, and I was like, why not? They're like, we can't do Botox in Afghanistan. I was like, all right, well, give me a pill, and they're like, you're not listening. You've been on all these pills; they don't work. Yeah. We have to start a bed war process. And I'm literally at this point going, this makes no sense. You know, it's not going to go anywhere. You cannot med board me because of migraines. And then, of course, and I didn't really know about the medical process, and I didn't do any of the research because I did not think it was really going to go where it went. Mm-hmm. And so when they're doing it, they're finding all these other issues from my uh, rotator cuff to neck to back to all these issues that I've been ignoring and making worse because I had not begun getting help. One mm-hmm. reason because I'm a female, you know, and, and don't want to seem weak, that by the time they realize at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, you're getting medically retired. You cannot serve, you know. Um, so, yeah. How, how far away from, you said you were going to deploy, but then they this whole thing came up. How far out from the deployment, like 90 days that you found out? Because I'm guessing you were expecting to deploy, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, yeah. you're getting out of the military. Oh, yeah, so I, I – uh, TCS to Fort Gordon in May, uh, and then in about July is when this started. And then I was I went on my ETS in November. So like my med war process was insanely quick. That does. And when I was really on ETS, uh, at least uh, that's the most people said they're like, oh, it takes two years, yada yada. And I was like, all right. So I'm literally not thinking of it. You know, helping with the field training, getting everything. You know, deployed, talking to my soldiers who've never deployed before, having these conversations. So I already had two deployments under my belt. Um, I had a good deployment and I had a very bad deployment. So I'm like trying to help them, you know, manage their expectations, explaining. And when I was on my ETS leave, that's when they deployed. And so there was a lot of mixed emotions because it wasn't just the fact that the choice to get out was taken away from me. But then here I am as an NCO, my soldiers have deployed without me, you know, and there was a, it was a very much like a whirlwind 
uh, of emotions trying to figure out what's going on and how to deal with that. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine the kind of shock. Well, yeah, a and mind it's, game it's, too, like. Oh, it's such a mind game going back <laughs> and forth. And, and I get to, because it, it, everybody who serves understands, because it's when uh, my first sergeant was very pissed off, because, you know, I just came to his unit. Here I am, you know, <laughs> E5 promotable, and, you know, for his intel and everything happening, you know, and it wasn't like I went looking, yeah. you know, to get med boarded out. But I understand from his point of view is I'm picking up a slot now that he can't fill, you know, as an E5. Just like, what does he do? So, of course, he's pissed at the situation. You know, the commander's pissed. Everybody's pissed. And it's just like, I'm just here. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. Wow. I'm just, uh, I'm curious, too, because most of those that we have on here are Navy. But since you're Army, where did you actually serve? So, I was stationed at a... Fort Riley, Kansas. Uh, I was in Carson, Colorado Springs, uh, Fort Gordon, Georgia. And then I was in Afghanistan. I was in the Patika province in Afghanistan. And then I was outside of Kandahar, too. When were you at Carson? Oh, good Lord. I hate when, like, <laughs> ask those questions because it's like trying to do the math in the head. Um, 2013 to 2016. Oh, I had already left. I was just yeah. curious. I don't get to talk to many Army vets because Kelsey brings all the Navy on the podcast. Nice. So, <laughs> anyway. yeah, they're like they got nothing. You know, they're not on ships anymore, so they you know have to connect somehow. Yeah, right. <laughs> you guys are haters. You know, it's funny because on my first when I was at Riley, I was in uh, uh, Afghanistan, and I go to Carson, and my platoon started. I'm talking to him. He was like, I was, you know, at Afghanistan during this time. I was like, so was I. And we're talking like where you were, like what was the actual fall of the car of the month? And I'm like, Sergeant Johnson, we probably walked past each other without realizing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, for how big it is, it's actually quite small, you know? Yeah. So in your, in your, as soon as you found out that you were um, getting out, I guess, um, did you do anything to prepare at that time to transition out of the military? So I think the one benefit I had is I went in very late in life. I was 28 years old when, when I enlisted. Um, so I'd already been out in the real world, you know, uh, um, taking care of bills, having those jobs, all of that. So when they were like, no, you actually are getting out. There's no if, ands, or buts. I had all this leave and I was like, okay, what do I need to do? How I need to get a job. You know, I'm in my thirties, you know, mid thirties. So I'm not going to go back home and live with my parents. You know, it, the nice thing is, I didn't have kids or, you know, or spouse. It was very much, where do I want to go? Um, and so I actually found this job in Vermont, never been to Vermont. I don't have any family in Vermont, but what they are there, uh, it's called revision military and they make uh, helmets for police in the military around the world. And I went there to be the training and safety uh, officer. And basically the way I transitioned was very much a, I think some people do it too. Is I'm just not thinking about it. I'm just going to keep going ahead. You know, like, okay, fine, the military's over. What's the next chapter in your life? And just keep going that way. Um, But there's a lot of things I never dealt with, you know, situations. Um, I had a very bad deployment and I had a, I was in a bad unit at one point. And then just to be the emotional and mental, uh, uh, that decision no longer being yours to get out when that, that take that uniform away, didn't even process that. And that's hard. I remember I, it, that it, part it, was it, so difficult for me. 
it is. And I, and I don't, and I've always told people, even if you've had the most perfect time in the service and it was your decision to walk away, it's still very hard to transition. You know, in the military, it's very unique than, than other jobs where when the decision is no longer yours, it's almost like a professional athlete. You know, we, we talk, uh, I'm, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan and I'm watching Drew Brees and I'm like, man, Brees, you I'm should sorry. have retired last year. You know, it, <laughs> I know it is very much, but you look at these guys like, you know, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, and you're like, you should have retired. You should have retired. And it's so hard to walk away. You know, but when the decision's not yours and you're forced to walk away, it's even harder because then there's that thought. We always make, I know we make fun of Brett Farr coming back, not coming back, but it's like you you don't know what you're missing. But when you're the one who's allowed to say, okay, I'm done, it is a big relief. You know, uh, my parents both served 20 plus years. And when they retired, I still remember to the stakes after your officially retired 10 10 years you're on like inactive and then you get like this letter from the president saying we don't need your service anymore it crushed my parents well my my parents are in their 50s they weren't going to call my parents up to serve <laughs> but knowing for a fact that it was over it crushed them so and I think what I didn't realize was even when I was serving my identity was never that uniform you because I was very much I saw my parents and I saw how, what they went through mm-hmm. I saw what my sister went through and my brother-in-law you know and so I was like well that's not me I, I am more than this uniform but I didn't realize what the uniform meant to me until I no longer had it, yeah. you know? And it was um, like, in all honesty and transparency, I was making a lot of reckless decisions with my life, you know, cause I didn't, I wasn't processing I, and I wasn't letting myself be in those negative feelings. So I was making these reckless decisions mm-hmm. and running away from problems without realizing really what I was doing. So it wasn't, it wasn't the, the smoothest transition in all honesty. Were there any positives in your transition? I mean, <laughs> there, there was, it was, it, I, I got very lucky. So I, I went to that job in, in Vermont mm-hmm. and it was, I went, I used to pass the Canadian border going to work. And so it was a teeny tiny town. This town shut down at six o'clock at night. It's a gorgeous area, but all the quiet wasn't helping, you know? And I was like, I, I just need to get out of, of here. <laughs> it did. And my wheels are spinning. And I, I was there maybe three months. And I was like, I got to go somewhere else. And I was like, okay, where have you never been? I was like, Chicago. So I found a job in Chicago and I just, and I went to Chicago and I had this job. It was a great job. It, it was a, a, for electronics, consumer electronics company. And I was a sales trainer, you know, and in helping people uh, basically how to make money, a for-profit how to make money. And as I'm trying to work through my feelings, like I'm finally getting involved with the VA, I'm finally getting like the Botox again for my migraines, you know, getting things actually checked out. I started to realize, okay, I'm missing that purpose. That's why I love the army so much because there was a purpose I was serving that was more to me, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody has different things that, uh, um, like for my brother, for example, he's motivated nothing wrong with him by money. That's his motivation. There's nothing wrong with that. He's very, he knows about it. Mm-hmm. So he works to death because he has a place he wants to get to in life. And the army taught me my motivation is having that higher purpose, serving something that's outside of myself, more than myself. And so during the transition, having that making this conversation and going, okay, I know I want to work in a nonprofit. What do I want to do? I know I want to work for veterans. Yeah, I need to give back somehow. Because my, my mother, when she got out, she went and to give back to she was working at the veteran shelters and it was very much focused on giving back and growing up my life it was very much still 
military-centric, so we've given back to the veteran community. Mm-hmm. And within that, and I kid you not, and, that, and I've always joked about it, but it's very honest, I'm sitting at my job, I go to Google, and I was like, all right, jobs with a purpose for veterans, and the first thing that popped up was Wounded Warrior Project. And That's when awesome. I saw that logo, I, I recognized that logo, because uh, a buddy of mine actually was in a helicopter crash uh, in Afghanistan, and he got taken over to launch stool, and they gave him all these clothes, because he didn't have any clothes. And I didn't put two and two together until I saw that logo uh, on Google. And I was like, oh, my God, I know this organization. I know what they've done for the soldiers I've had in my unit for my friends. I want to be in it. And so when I went on my uh, first interview, I loved it because every interview I've had before Wonder Warrior Project was a very much a it's just a job. Pays the bills. I've never left going. I want this job. It's the first and only time in my entire life I've sent a thank you note in my entire life uh, to an interviewer. That's cool. That's really cool. So, and it, it's having those conversations what's helped in my transition is having conversations with other veterans and not so much just going into like your deep dark stuff, but just having very open conversations with people from all branches and building that community again. And I don't think I realized how important that camaraderie and that community was until I didn't have it anymore. Yeah, for sure. I think that was the one thing that um, I know I've felt that way about Wounded Warrior Project was finally connecting with people who got it without having to explain what they needed to get. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're just able yeah. to. That was the, that's like the only reason I originally came to Wounded Warrior um, was seeking veterans mm-hmm. to be around veterans. And afterwards it just made me feel so much better, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, it is, I've, I've, I got a lot of friends who are civilians and, I, I, I'm very grateful because, you know, they, they're great and they want to be friends, but there's just certain, when you're trying to explain stuff to a civilian, you know, you're like, okay, I'm out of it. I don't, I don't need to talk anymore. I, I can't, I can't keep explaining the, the why or what this acronym means mm-hmm. or why we did this. And I found, you know, if I just, you know, because we've had a conversation before, uh, Kelsey and Noah, that sometimes we just talk about the, the weather, you know, and when I leave, we didn't talk any deep and, you know, mind blowing, but when I left, I felt better, Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's, I think just because there are people there that get it, you know, they, they understand, even though they walk in the exact same shoes you walked in, they walk that path, you know, and not even, having to explain yourself is amazing. Even yeah. talking to other, like other, like Kelsey's Navy, but even having that conversation with other veterans from other branches that even have a different story of service, there's still that mm-hmm. immediate connection and like almost like a subconscious thing um, that I think that is very hard to translate to civilians on, on why we seek other veterans. And um, But I, I'm happy to hear that, you know, Wounded Warrior was able to help you um, fill that void. I think it's a good way to it because it is, it, it's a, a void. Um, and I think, the one of the great things the army taught me because I was just, I was going through my life, you know, you, you do those checks like okay, high school, college job, you're doing these checks where I didn't realize that what my motivation in life is that higher purpose of serving, you know, and the army taught me that they're the things that the, the army gave me. And I, I always tell people, it's like a love hate, you know, relationship. There are things I loved about the army, but then there's things like <laughs> sweeping snow off of trucks as it's snowing, you know, not, not a fan of that. 
That's like sleeping, uh, sweeping water off the deck of the ship in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. That's so dumb. There, <laughs> it is, it, oh, no, we had, I was in Afghanistan and I went to go talk to the commander one time and there was a soldier out here sweeping the sand. I'm like, what are you doing? He was like, I just sweep the sand out of Afghanistan. And I was like, I don't know what you did to piss off the commander, but I'm out. I don't need to talk to him. Yep. You know, it's like, uh, I'm awesome. gone. But even those like things, like I was never on a ship, but you get it, Kelsey, sweeping the water off the ship. In yeah. the middle of the ocean, like, come on, man, it's never going away. Yeah, I think we've all done some pretty dumb things that yeah. just like yeah. doesn't make sense. Oh man, you know, that used I, to get me so I've always, uh, always I, I tried to explain to a friend of mine. She's like, if you could explain the army, and I was like, okay, so you're given a task, and if it, the task is clear and concise, and it makes sense, you did it in a timely manner, and there was no arguing, you messed up somewhere because it should have not yeah. have been that simple. Yeah. You know, it, that's that's real life. Yeah. Um, so if you could give advice to any veteran who is getting out of the military or just recently got out or whatever, the or maybe has been out five years and just can't find it, um, what advice would you give? I think the one main thing is there are so many veteran service organizations in this country. It's mind-blowing. They're in like the thousands of thousands, but there's no national database. And if you're transitioning, because every VSO does a different thing and it's not one fit, one size fits all, but find another veteran and ask them, hey, what organizations have you been with? You know, seeking out uh, uh, veterans. And the beautiful thing about social media is you can find veterans, you know, on social media. So if you go back, if you're from a very small town, I'm from a very small town. And if I went back home, unless I'm driving around, someone has like, I'm a veteran uh, flag in their yard, you won't really know who is or who is not a veteran. But the biggest piece of advice, there are two of them, is try to seek out other veterans, ask them what VSOs they've used with. And then the other advice is build that community again. Mm -hmm. It's very important, even if, even if you don't think you need it, you need that community. That's good. I think that's newer information than a lot of people give. Some well, people have the told number us, one like, the most, VA or... Yeah. The number one most most veterans give is find another veteran, but um, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Thought, <laughs> but, uh, it sounded good. Well, no, it, is, it is good. It, it's like a, a, I've got a friend. He's a coastie. And I make fun of him. So I'm like, you're the Coast Guard. I was like, even the Air Force makes fun of you. And then he goes, yeah, but now I can make fun of the Space Force. And I was like, true, sir. Very true. But Look, it, it's... I can't wait for the huh. first warrior to show up at a WWP event that <laughs> is in the Space Force because I have oh, questions. Man, I'm telling you. I have so There's many so questions. Many. If, if one just walks <laughs> in the door here at Vets that, like... I have like, so many before questions. Before we get to solving and helping his problems, we're just going to have a conversation. So oh, oh I've, like, sir, I've got so many questions. I've been having so many questions waiting <laughs> for someone to answer them. Please, right. please. If um, anybody out there is listening and you are Space Force and want to be on, we would love oh, to I'd, have you. Yeah, right. I'd love to. Is there even a Space Force recruiter that we could have on? I don't know. We yes. need to look into that. Right. Hmm. I'm going to start investigating. But no, I think that's solid advice in, in finding other veterans and then the VSOs. Um, social media plays a big role in today's veterans that – um, you could just reach out and see what VSOs worked for what. Um, yeah. But everybody has an and opinion, and, and I think sometimes it's they best. They do. 
Um, there's a there's a, an organization, Team Red, White, and Blue, that are really great, but they're more physical health, you know, uh, uh, engaged. And then you have like Team Rubicon, who goes into natural disasters. And there's so many different VSOs that do so many different things. Is trying to find the one that works for you, you know, like no VSO is going to help and solve every problem. And I think the other thing is when you when you do these VSOs, is they're giving you the tools so you can work through the problem and, and you can help yourself. And I think that's something sometimes people miss is, you know, they're not going to give you just a blanket for all of these things and your life is perfect because no life is perfect, you know, but it's trying to figure out the VSO that works for you. I think that's the most important one. Yeah, that's really important. Are there any VSOs that you used in your transition that you found especially helpful? So one that I did, uh, I'm, I'm a very big advocate. It's, it's not huge. It's in some of the major cities. It's in New York City, Atlanta, Chicago, Vegas, I want to say LA, uh, merging vets and players. Um, and the reason why it was really beneficial to me was what they do um, within the first 30 minutes, they do a workout, like a, a kickboxing workout. And what I enjoyed about that is I never realized, like, I would stew in my anger. Like, I, uh, I never realized that the anger that I had, I was just pushing it, pushing it down. And I didn't realize that until I'm doing these kickboxing and, like, the force of, me, you know, exercising and getting them out. But the best part, after those 30 minutes, is a lot of engaging, peer-to-peer engaging. And they work with professional athletes. You know, and so it's professional from college, triple uh, uh, A, and athletes, I think, mirror the veterans more than anybody else in the fact that your, your uniform, that's your entire life. That is your sole focus. You know, I have great respect for the police and the firemen, EMTs, but when you're active duty army, you know, I can get called at four o'clock in the morning. I'm on call one o'clock in the morning. Like it is my time is there is no such thing as my time the united states army owned me 24 7. even when i went on vacation it was never you know keep your phone because they can call you back at any time you know where for an athlete it is also their entire life and so when they hang it up you people say you close a chapter and i don't think it's so much as closing a chapter you're now in a whole different phase of your life and so they're, they're the only other people i think that can really understand it so having those conversations and being able to be emotionally open and vulnerable, I think was very, I know for me, because um, I, I am not that person who can sit on the couch and, and therapy and talk about my feelings <laughs> that way. You know, that, that is not what I do. And for people who, who can do that, it is fantastic. I do believe in therapy, but I believe there's so many different kinds of therapy out there, you know, from being in nature uh, uh, to yoga, you know, question, finding what works for you. But merging vets and players really worked for me because it was able to, for me to get out a lot of aggression, a lot of that anger that once I got in out of the army, I was then very mad and angry at the army for taking my uniform away. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's like, who can you yell at at that point? There's no one you can yell at. And so it really helped me deal with those, you know, negative feelings. But then it also helped me talk to the other people who are also too medically retired that those decisions were taken out of their hands. That's cool. Yeah, I had looked them up. I think you told me about them a long time ago. Yeah. And I'm so sad that they're not in Milwaukee. I've never heard of them. No. It's such a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I looked up their website, and it really is, like, they do a workout together on Zoom, like, everybody's on Zoom, or in Chicago or whatever. Yeah. 
And then they have like a peer support group afterwards. That's crazy. Yeah. That's weird. It's, it's super cool. cool. No mission yeah, barbecue is, mac and cheese. There's so many. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's so many organizations out there that people don't. You don't know these things, you know. And uh, until other people talk about them, and that's what's crazy. Because I think somebody at one point, please do not. Uh, this number is an estimate, but I think they were saying in 2018 there was like 40,000 registered veteran service organizations with the IRS. Oh, I believe. And I'm it. like 40,000. Oh, yeah. It is. It, but what's crazy is like I work for one, and I can name you maybe six. Yeah. You know, and so if it's like if I work for one, I can name six. The people who are out there, you know, actual veterans, other than the VA, what you know, what do people know? Yeah, that's that's true. I think we talked about it in our last podcast too. A lot of people don't know that we exist at Wisconsin Veterans Network. Nope. Yeah, and so being able to get the word out about local places too that aren't national organizations because sometimes local thing lo local organizations can do just as much if not more than a national organization sometimes depending on the case no it's, it's very true it's, and it's not a knock on any local or national it, it's i like local smaller organizations and the fact that you that you know the area you know the people mm -hmm. you know from uh, the community on the organization you know, because you can get into the weeds where a national organization sure has a bigger reach, but they can't get into the weeds so much like the smaller local ones can. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, we get a lot of veterans that we recognize when they come in here and we know them and we've kind of created certain bonds with them. Um, yeah. Whereas in a national organization, unless you are like a habitual, attender yeah. of all yeah. events you can get lost in the mix sometimes so it's good to have a mix of both true. because i think everybody finds certain things in each organization so no it's very true and i think the and i know from my experience i know from talking to other veterans um when i first joined some bso's my guard was up, you know, like it took a lot for me just to get out of my house and go do this, you know, and like, and I wasn't engaged in the beginning, you know, it was very much trying to figure them out, you know, and then once I realized, oh, no, they, they are just veterans trying to do good things and bringing my guard down and having those conversations and making those connections. And I think that's what's really important where if you are a veteran, sharing those VSOs that you know with other people, because if you have somebody who's transitioning out, and you know them and you're a veteran, you already have that trust with them. And you'd yeah. be like, hey, guys, here's this organization's worked for me. It may not work for you, but, you know, check this out. Just look at it. Um, and then I think, too, what's important is I think what also gets lost in the mix is the families, you know. And mm -hmm. as hard as, like, my transition was, um, even though, like, while I'm not married, I don't have kids, doesn't mean I don't have a family. You know, I, I have people who are very close and important to me in my life who – went through who saw me at my worst you know who went through it when i was on my deployments went through the whole thing when i was in the service where it was very hard for them sometimes to acknowledge their own feelings because they'd be like you know we didn't serve we didn't go through that you know so what right do i have to say, you know say like i'm having a bad day um and so it's like it's that whole the whole experience for everybody who's involved trying to get the help. Yeah, definitely. So 
um, two things that we're going to ask. The first, what is a piece of advice that you would give to somebody? um, And maybe because we haven't had a lot of females on the show, what's advice Mm -hmm. that you would give to a female who is joining the military? So I will give you the advice that my mother gave me. My mother, my mother was a, uh, she, she was a very hardcore rock star in the Navy. She was Sailor of the Year five years. Dang. Uh, she, yeah, she <laughs> she was the first, like, a, a flight mechanic, like, in the 1970s when they just opened up the females. And so she went through a lot of stuff. Um, and so when I wanted to join, or my sister wanted to join, she was very open, very honest. And the one thing she told us was that she loved the military. It, it did wonders for her life. But she said, sometimes the military, it takes a lot for it to change. And there are still people in the military who would assume females shouldn't be there. So if someone tells you to pick up a box that's 100 pounds, and you know very well, you can't pick up that box on your own, you have to make the attempt. Every single time, you have to make the attempt. Um, And while it may not be fair, if you're hurting, you know, unless a bone's sticking out, don't don't say you're hurting. You know, deal with that in your own private way. home instead of just raising your hand hey you know first sergeant you know my back hurts today and that advice helped me in the fact that it was able to so like when I went in there's a lot of people looking at me okay oh you're a female and I've already had strikes against me Mm -hmm. you know like why are you here and so I had to work harder like I'll never forget one of the very first PT tests I was doing I had a male soldier who looked at me, he's like, well, you're only going to do better than me because you're a female and your scores are easier to get. And I was like, I'm not trying to compete against you. I'm competing against myself. I don't care what you get, you know? Yeah. But there is that mentality where you have to understand that there are strikes. It's not fair, you know? But you you have to make the attempt. But also, you also have to understand, you know, the and it's for male or female, really what is the service what is the army you know it is a great job your benefits are paid you're going to get skills um the great thing that they taught me was that i am capable of more than what i give myself credit for you know it gave me confidence it 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 told me you know it taught me that i shouldn't put limits on myself because i was able to do things that i never thought i was possible to do and it taught me how to work for what i want these goals um to make these goals. But I think the other important thing is don't look uh, on YouTube what they say your job's going to be because that's not what your job <laughs> is. That, that's, that's a total lie. It's a, it's a selling tool. But really research. Really, if you if you can, if you're thinking about going to service, really ask people, what should you do? Because uh, I really wish I knew more. Like I wish I would have found somebody who was in the Army. Because I knew a lot about the Navy. But if I could re-go back, there were things I would redo with my career um, to get to the points that I wanted to go to the things that I didn't know about until like year three or four that I was already in. That's good. That's solid. So with that being said, what advice would you give coming out of service to a veteran? So yeah, so one of the things coming out of the service, um, I think one, it, it depends on, so for your benefits, if you are, if you have children and you want to give your benefits, your GI Bill to your kids, really read like the fine print because there are certain rules for giving away your benefits. Um, I think the biggest advice I have for anybody coming out, even if you just finish your contract, 
you know, you're not medically retired, you just, you finished your contract. Go talk to a veteran service officer about your benefits because from the day that you leave the service to 364 days later, any issues that you have from your time in service, it's a lot easier to get that on your record um, and potentially, depending on what it is, financially compensated. After that 364 days, it's very hard for the military to say that injury incurred because of military service or from time after the military. And I've got friends who got out five years later, had serious issues, like my friend who, who was in a helicopter crash, broke his hip, you know, and his back. Um, and when he got out, you know, he wasn't medically retired. He was able to, you know, get well and he finished his contract. But he didn't want to apply for his benefits because there's that thought of, well, I have all my limbs. I'm fine. Let, you know, I want my body to have this. There's not a limited amount of funds. You know, it's you need to get the help that you deserve. You know, you put your body out there. Um, and so it's five years later, and now he's fighting with people because he has serious back issues. And it's very hard for the military to sit there and say, do I know for 100% that your back issues from a helicopter crash, or is it from your time out of service? So as much as it hurts being prideful, because I'll, I'll be very honest, if I didn't work for Wounded Warrior Project within that first transition, I had a lot of pride. And I probably would not have had my benefits looked at. But it's really helped me now uh, to get things taken care of that definitely please before your years out go talk to a veteran service officer just have it on paper just have it on paper that's the most important thing i think it's good advice yeah for sure i think most of us has ran into that during our benefits or something where you need a piece of paper and you didn't keep it or yeah you don't you don't think about it my my, my brother-in-law you know, he, he did some incredible things in the Marines and in the Army, but he was in there since the surge and since 2003, you know. And so he's finally at a point he's been out, I think, I want to say he's been out of service since 2015, 2016. Yeah. But he's finally now able to sit there and say, okay, I'm not taking from anybody else. And there is that mindset of I'm taking something from somebody else. You're not taking anything from anybody else. I promise you that there there is nothing that's limited, you know, and it's, it is very hard to say, because I'm a very prideful person. It is very hard to say, because I, I, I always said that, no, it was my job. I knew what I was getting into. It is what it is. And that's not true. You know, it's, um, there is nothing wrong with raising your hand and saying, hey, I'm having issues that were incurred in service. It just, it, it is a, it happens. Yeah. You know? Um, so before we close up, we would like to give you like a minute or two just to kind of um, do a little dub dub P commercial. Say whatever oh. you want to say. Oh. <laughs> just to yeah. let people yeah. know. So if they're thinking like, oh, I'm not eligible for Wounded Warrior Project because I didn't lose a limb or something like that. Like if you yeah. want to just put out there kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Yeah. Uh, so Wounded Warrior Project, it's a uh, veteran service organization I work for. It is nationwide. It's in all 50 states, Alaska and Hawaii, and we're actually also in Lonsville, Germany. Um, it is for the post 9-11 uh, service members. Now, with that being said, we have about 13 plus programs that are offered to free, 100% free to veterans and their family it will always be free um, because 
we have a belief that you paid your dues with wearing your uniform. But we also want to ensure all service members are taken care of. So we have a fantastic resource center that is connected nationwide with other BSOs that do help Gulf War veterans, Vietnam veterans that, you know, we have talked with. So we can help any veterans, but our free uh, programs that we offer for the post 9-11 generation, their family, and to qualify, literally the main qualifier is did you serve after 9-11? If you have other than honorable or dishonorable, we will ask questions, you know, because we understand if you were in the surge and let's say a lot of stuff happened and you had PTSD and you were sent out because of alcohol, we understand those things. And so we try to figure out the why, but we do things from help with benefits, uh, financial education. We help with physical health and development from helping you be, you know, physically fit in your, uh, the way you want. Uh, for example, I had a guy who just wanted to play on the ground with this kid. That's all he wanted to do. He was always in pain where he worked through our coaching program and he was able to do that. We have a Warriors to Work program where they help you with your resume, your LinkedIn, help you try to find a career, not just a job, you know, because you can go out there and get a job. They want to find you another career that gives you purpose. We have our mental health team that does everything from call you up and just talk with you and, and let you vent to a uh, more of an adventure-based, outdoor, uh, kind of hands-on holistic approach to uh, therapy to where what I do is engagement is we put events together to bring veterans and their family out so you can meet other veterans. You can start to build that community and that camaraderie with one another. Um, and then we go out and we meet other BSOs. And so we bring those BSOs to you so you know what else is out there because the one beautiful, the two things that I really appreciate with this organization is we know we're not the be all to end all and you can be a part of 20 different BSOs. You know, as long as you're getting the help that you need, that's fantastic. And the other part, is we look at the whole picture. So we know it's not just a veteran that served, it's a veteran in the family. And we don't define what the family is. Um, so yeah, we also understand that most of our veterans nowadays are dealing with invisible injuries. And we understand that. Uh, and we work with that. We've worked with uh, four academic institutions to work with MST and PTSD. And it's seen phenomenal, a phenomenal and life-changing results from it. Um, but yes, that is a very quick, very long-winded two-minute spiel on Wounded Warrior Project. I think that's good. I think that gives a lot of information. And if um, people are interested, they can obviously go to uh, the website, which is woundedwarriorproject.org, or they can reach out to us at uh, Wisconsin Veterans Network, and we can get them connected with you guys. Yeah, and again, if anybody who's listening out there who doesn't know what the Wisconsin Network is, it is a fantastic resource and organization. Um, unfortunately, I don't live in Wisconsin, but if I did, I would definitely very much be using you guys a lot. Well, we appreciate it. We do. <laughs> yeah, you guys do great work, so I, I, I appreciate the work that you guys do. Thanks. Well, we, we appreciate having you on today. We loved hearing your story, and I think you had a lot of great wisdom to share with our listeners. And uh... well, I hope with all the gray hair I have, you'd hope some of it's wisdom. <laughs> so... Well, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, thank you. All right. Of course, you guys have a great day. You too. Bye, Bye. Well, that was quite interesting compared to, I mean, all the med board stories are usually um, 
they kind of know, kind of don't know where hers was kind of a surprise, but it's good to hear that she's doing good, working in a great position that not only helps her mentally and physically, but um, allows her to pursue her dreams and helping other veterans. Yeah, I think that's that's one of those like dream jobs, you know, to work for Wounded Warrior <clears throat> Project or something like that. Or or Wisconsin veterans yeah. work. I mean, we're like the the little brother of that or something. I yeah. don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think working for a, a nonprofit that helps veterans is again just very rewarding for veterans. But um, there's obviously not a thousand of those jobs available, but. Um, and it's good to hear about Wounded Warrior Project. Um, they do offer peer support in some cities, which I think is a valuable tool. Um, and again, you can get more information about them at woundedwarriorproject.com, I think. Org. Org. Dot org. Um, anything else? No. Thank you for listening to a Veterans Podcast today. To learn more about us, to hear previous episodes, or if interested in being on the show, you can find us at aveteranspodcast.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Wisconsin Veterans Network, a Wisconsin nonprofit operated by veterans and serving veterans in need. Till next time.